do people make New Year's resolutions anymore? Yes? By a nodding of the head, how many make resolutions still? Yes. Uh, we're in church, so how many of you have already broken your resolution? How about that for confession, right? Yeah. I include myself in that. So this mini-series takes us on a journey right out of the New Year's gate as we think about ways to, to move beyond resolutions, honestly. Resolutions are things that we do, things that we decide we need to do for ourselves or about ourselves, and things that we need to fix. I will read my Bible more. I will watch TV less. I will get skinny in 20. I will work on this relationship or that relationship, whatever it is. The things we do. Those are resolutions. Holy interruptions, the series, though, that's different. These are things God is, is trying to do, or God is already doing, if we have enough faith to follow where God will lead. God is trying to interrupt our way of seeing others and listening to those who are crying out and being engaged where there are needs in our community. We still have a role to play in making changes in our lives, but those changes are based on where God is leading us, not where we think we should be leading ourselves. And so I wonder, are we so bold this year to invite Jesus to interrupt our relationships, or our finances, or our marriages, the way that we parent, our calendars, our social media presence, are we willing to allow God to break into all of those areas and more for the purpose of helping us become kingdom builders? And so what I'm proposing over the next three weeks is a new level of depth to the way we think about following <coughs> Jesus Christ, finding those holy interruptions in our midst. Today is the day of epiphany, the day of, of revelation, and it's heralded by many Christians in the world as a more prominent feast day than even Christmas, especially in Latin countries. Uh, January 6th is the 12th day of Christmas, or most, more notably, the 12th night. It is the 12th night, the night of the Epiphany. In Shakespeare's England, everyone in the town would celebrate 12th night. He even wrote a, a play about it, more about the, the merriment and the love and the carousing than it was actually about Jesus and a star and some wise guys, right? But, parents, you can take this home. This is free. This is a free will offering to you from me from the pulpit. As part of the Twelfth Night celebration in ancient England, parents would give their children writing utensils, and they'd write all over their doors and their walls. So there you go. You can take that home and practice that tomorrow night on Twelfth Night, if you like. Mostly it was chalk, not Sharpies. Uh, for most of the English-speaking Christians, however, unlike Latin countries who share gifts on the twelfth night, because that's when we recognize the Magi, uh, English-speaking Christians overlook and undervalue the epiphany. And it might just be because we are experiencing Advent and Christmas fatigue. <laughs> like maybe we've lost our focus taking down decorations or sweeping up fur needles or returning gifts that didn't really excite us all that much anyway, you know. But we need the Epiphany story, friends. If for no other reason, it gives us a chance to teach our children a new word and to over-enunciate their words. 
epiphany. It's a fun word. It's called holy spitting. Epiphany. Epiphany. You should say that with me. Epiphany. Yeah, both of you. Thank you. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it, it means revelation. That God is being revealed to the world. So we're going to look at epiphany. We're going to look at baptism of the Lord. We're going to listen to the words of, of a prophet, John the Baptist, on Martin Luther King weekend for this series of interruptions. Part of what I want you to challenge yourself to do over the course of the next 360 some odd days, 60 days, 61 days, part of what I want you to challenge yourself to do is to not remain focused on the past. Because remaining focused on the past can occupy so much of our time. There are things that, that we have carried with us into this year that we need to address from our past. I get it. And we're still dealing with those, but we take one step at a time to do so. But also, do not stay too focused on the future, on the things that are unknown, and the things over which we have no control. But instead, be present in every moment, because God does not interrupt the past, and God does not interrupt the future. God interrupts the right now. And God's holy interruptions, I can't take us back there to the past. I can't do anything about the fear that's out there. But we can live into what God is doing right now. So here's how Epiphany, this story from Matthew's Gospel, was an interruption. First, King Herod was told by some kings of the Orient, we get that king language from the hymn we just sang, not from Matthew's Gospel, uh, about another king born in Judea. That's a lot of kings. A king Herod, a baby king, and we three kings from Orient who are... So the question that surfaces from the text and with the church is, who has authority? Who's in charge if you have all of these kings? And it's an interruption. It was an interruption to that day and age. Interruptions to who's in charge and who has power can be unsettling. And in a few weeks, we're going to have uh, Shane Claiborne here leading uh, a, a series called, a, a topic called The Scandal of Grace. And he has a practical phrase, a way for Christians to wade through these power dynamics as to who's in charge. He calls it revolutionary subordination. That is, we submit to our government even as we transcend our government because ultimately we are accountable only to God. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. But you know what? Herod wasn't buying it. And neither was... Neither was Rome, because Jesus became a threat. But these magi, these we three king magi, they figured it out. And they were willing to follow step by step into the unknown toward this king, this child. It's not lost on me that outsiders to religion and outsiders to politics become a band of seekers who interrupt this story and the way we understand things. They become the heroes, really. The second way this epiphany is an interruption is, is by the way it reminds us that our logic, our minds, our, our sensibilities, our ability to you know, just figure things out, it only gets us so far, it only takes us so far in life. Emily Griffin says that what the church lacks during this moment of the Christmas journey is imagination. 
holy imagination or religious imagination. We need to see these large, oversized, blinged out crowns, all of the jewels, bedazzled kings, magi up here in this crash scene because we need an imagination about what they represent about our humanity and how they're part of our, our story. And so this text reminds us for 2020 that maybe what we need to consider is less rationalization and more revelation. You hear the difference? Or maybe we need rationalization to smash into imagination and imagination to overwhelm rationalization or simply to balance the two. There you go. That's how holy interruptions happen. As we say, I, I can't make sense of this, but I know that God is up to something and we start moving in that direction. This star, maybe it's a, a ball of gases that has, you know, that shows up in this orbital system that we understand now in 2021. And, and maybe there was an interruption to these orbital patterns and this astrological charts that these men, these astrologers from the East had figured out. And all of a sudden they're thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't belong here. What am I supposed to do with that? Or maybe we're not supposed to figure out the science of all of that. Because maybe it's just God's holy imagination saying, who's willing to follow where I will lead? But the star interrupted. And these magi, they moved from science to faith. That says something too. If you think with me for just a minute, these magi, they saw this interruption in their, their routine charts, the skies, their comfortable forms of life, but they had enough faith to follow that interruption. They didn't know where they were going, how long it would take to get there. They didn't take into account their safety or prosperity. They were willing to leave everything behind. They were not bound or beholden to any forms of this world. They just took a step forward in the direction they were being led. What will you follow this year? There are plenty of stars trying to get your attention and mine. Jason and I were talking about this text earlier, how it reads a lot like headlines. Can't you, can't you hear all of the chatter that would have come from Bethlehem? Breaking news coming out of Bethlehem, this king child who's lying in a feeding trough has been born. What are we supposed to make of that? Breaking news, King Herod's mad because he's heard of another king that's being born. We hear reports coming out of the east are these people bringing great riches to a baby. Can you imagine the chaos? But amid all of those headlines, if you will, all of the chatter, right in the middle of it all, is Jesus. The one after whom every person seeks. The third way that this is an interruption is because it commands us to leave something behind in order to move forward. For a lot of us in 2020, we need an interruption to teach us how to leave behind our shame or guilt or the way that we shame and guilt others or grief or addiction or loneliness or complacency or even apathy in order to find our ways to Jesus. Others today, we need to get serious about life as we take a step forward. We leave some things behind, but we also take a step forward. And we work on our marriages 
and we work on how we will parent and career goals and about leading the church and, and how we'll share our resources and our time. In some way, when we come forward for communion here in just a moment, and we come down the, the center aisle, we're, we're kind of finding our way to Jesus, following where we're being led. And we'll kneel and we'll pay homage, homage to Jesus. And then, after having an experience, we will literally go a different route from which we came. Did you catch that about the text? Having been warned, they went a different way. They went away differently. When we come forward for communion, do we leave differently, with a different set of expectations, having experienced Christ? Here's the bottom line, friends. As mysterious and chaotic and misunderstood as the epiphany of our Lord is, it's really quite simple. A few guys wanted to find their way to Jesus, so God provided them a way. And I want you to ask what that means for your life in 2020, but I also want you to flip it a little bit. Because I want you to think about the people in, in your life, in your realm and spheres of influence, who are trying to find their way to Jesus, and maybe, maybe you and I are the only stars that they know how to follow. So don't underestimate your ability to lead people to Jesus. These magi came prepared to give, not to receive. I think it's important that they were well prepared. They, they thought it out. They prepared what they were going to bring and lay at the feet of Jesus. I think there's, there's a discipline to preparedness and an expectation about what we will do when we encounter Jesus the Christ. Maybe an interruption for 2020 is to interrupt our schedules and prepare ahead of time for how we will meet Jesus each week here and in the streets of our community. I do find it humorous that these guys are the absolute worst baby gift givers, right? Like, who gives a newborn child a bar of gold that weighs three times as much as the baby? Why not a bar of, like, silky soap or something? Johnson and Johnson. And they didn't even check on allergies. They brought all these spices. They didn't check about allergies for baby Jesus. But here's the point. The Magi, they weren't concerned with how Jesus would use those bars of gold. They just brought the best that they had. The practicality wasn't the point. And I think so often we hold back from, from giving to God because the timing doesn't seem right or the usefulness of the gift doesn't seem right or doesn't seem significant enough. But the discipline of giving God our best and out of a place of abundance is a huge lesson for this new year that we learn from these magi. Because if God can save the world through a baby, then God can use our gifts. Finally, as Jillian mentioned in the, the children's minute, these magi apparently lost their way. They initially saw the star, they followed it, they arrived in Jerusalem probably with Herod and his astro team to try to figure out what it meant. But then they lost, they lost the star and they lost their way. And so when Herod sent them, they looked up and once again found the star. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great what? Joy. Yeah, I love that word. Sometimes finding our way and refinding our way back to Jesus 
is the most important thing of the day, the most important interruption that we can have. 2020 will bring about plenty of interruptions. How will you respond to those? Will you be able to pull apart and distinguish between a distraction and a holy interruption? And here's how you know the difference. These holy interruptions, they ask us to leave something behind, to step out by faith into the unknown, to bring our very best, to rejoice with great joy, all for the purpose of finding our way to Jesus, who was wrapped so long ago, just like this bread is wrapped today and presented to us to find our way to the Jesus who gives us nourishment and invites us to come and see what God is up to. Yesterday was the first Saturday of the month, and and that means that the Our Montgomery team, organized by Mayor Strange and, and others, and led by talented people like uh, Burton Crenshaw, but, but each month there's a different neighborhood identified, and for one hour, on the first Saturday of each month, men and women from all over Montgomery gather at a, at a site and then walk the neighborhood to pray. And so yesterday we met at Ware's Ferry School and we walked several blocks and we even crossed Ware's Ferry Road and it was quite the holy interruption. We stopped traffic to pray and to take steps together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We pause every so often to pray for our youth and families and our community leaders and the schools who are there and going door to door and just meeting people, but also getting to meet those with whom we walk and with, we, with whom we share a common bond in faith. And so while I was walking and talking with some folks, there was a holy interruption that happened. A woman who was several years my senior walked up and put her arm around my waist and squeezed. That's an interruption, right? When somebody you don't know hugs you around the waist, squeezes. And she says, I was at your church on Christmas Eve. I said, you were? She said, yes, it was very nice, and I wanted to come back here and speak to you and tell you how much I appreciated when you were coming in the 5 o'clock service, just kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, thanks for being here. And your people were so kind to do the same from the time I arrived to the time I left, and I want to come, I want to come back. I said, all right, come on back. She went on to say that she loved the candlelight service, even with all of its fire hazards at 5 p.m. And she said she'll be back. Well, then Cheyenne said, I want you to read my book. And I said, okay, what's it about? And she said, well, I stood on a bridge in Selma many years ago, and Dr. Martin Luther King called me his youngest freedom writer. I was eight years old. And I said, well, what's that been like? And she shared with me part of her story. But she said, you got to read my book. I said, oh, I can't wait to read your book, Cheyenne. I can't wait. That's her story to tell and, and mine to read. But I thought to myself, Lord, if I had skipped out on this prayer walk today, or been so consumed thinking about tomorrow, thinking about Sunday worship and the next week and all that I have going on, I would have missed a holy interruption of my new friend Cheyenne. 2020 lesson learned about epiphany. And I found it in the community of Ware's Ferry where a shining star called Cheyenne 
shared a little bit of her story. And I'm convinced that that will lead me to a manger where something new might be born. So what do you say, friends? Holy interruptions in 2020, if we'll look for them, they're there. We're called to look up and to look out to see where God is already at work. <laughs>